Hello and welcome to Just a Guy and his journey back to God. So today we're in Revelation 12, but before we go there, let's go to God in prayer. Lord, thank you for today and for the many blessings that you've bestowed on us. You've blessed me with health and family and job. Lord, you're very kind. And more importantly, you've blessed me with you being patient, you working with me, you loving me. You've blessed me with with forgiveness. And I just pray, Lord, that as we read your word, that it be ingrained in me, that I would learn it and know how to apply it. That I wouldn't be quick to anger, quick to speak, but instead that I would be quick to listen, quick to forgive, and quicker to love. So, Lord, I just lift up this time. I pray that nothing I say would be would be impacting this, but it would be all from you, Holy Spirit, that you would guide us, teach us, and work with us. May our hearts, our spirits, and our minds be open to you today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, it's interesting because there's not... Yeah, so some of the guys that I'm that I read a lot for commentaries don't talk don't have a lot of of commentary about revelation. Um, in fact, they don't have much at all. Unless I purchased a very specific commentary that focused just on revelation, and I did that last time for under John uh, John MacArthur, and there was a lot there. There was an awful lot of information there. and But what I found was the interpretations, because I also read some from the 1700s, the 1500s, and the reality is, is the interpretations all made sense at the time, but they kind of don't anymore. So when you're looking at the, the circumstances and you're looking at a lot of these things, when there's interpretations of the signs, when there's interpretations of the symbolism, it sometimes sometimes just doesn't make a lot of sense later on. So instead of that, I've really focused on finding within this in the various chapters something that I could read and take out of it. And Charles Spurgeon did a very he's taken a very similar tact. In fact, I like what he wrote when he was writing about um, chapter 12, verse 11, he writes the subtotal, the sum total of the instruction in nearly all the comments upon the revelation amount to this, that our heavenly father has said in his word, some mysterious things, which few of his children can yet comprehend. This is just what might have, we might've expected when the infinite God speaks to finite man and is no doubt intended to humble us. And draw forth our reverent adoration. And it's true. How can we try to interpret something we don't understand at all? Heaven. I mean, we've got some descriptions, but we really don't understand the end times. We try to make it such, but the reality is, is there's just a lot there that we just don't understand. Everything from the way the books are written. I mean, Revelation is written so that the first 11 chapters coincide with the last 11 chapters and there's pieces to them and there's talks at various times of 
the church and when the church is being persecuted and when it's not. How do we know how that happens? So I really focus on a choice out of the out of the readings. And it did strike me about the triumph because in today's society, I'm struggling. I'm struggling with being pissed off with what's happening, with all the changes, with all the abuse of children, of all the changes in the direction our country is going. It's really making me mad. But instead of being mad and being on Twitter and barfing all over things, verse 11 really did hit home. And so I think at the end of the day, we'll, we'll listen a little bit about what um, Spurgeon writes. But anyways, I'm, I'm rambling. I apologize. And let's get into just the reading. Verse, chapter 12, verse 1. A great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of twelve stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on its head. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour her child the moment it was born. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. The woman fled into the wilderness to a place prepared for her by God, where she might be taken care of for 1260 days. So a lot of people will say, and very justifiably so, that that was Mary and that Satan was there with his, you know, they say that a third of the angels rebelled with him and were cast out of heaven. And she has the 12 stars on her head, which are the 12 tribes of Israel. So there is some good descriptions there. And you think about the seven um, elements with the seven crowns on his head. Well, there's seven city, there's seven hills in Rome. So there might've all been those pieces to it because you had the Romans um, ready to go and actually it was Herod who was ready to go and kill Jesus if he could find him. Verse seven, then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was not strong enough and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They triumph over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury, because he knows that his time is short. When the dragon saw, saw that he had been hurled to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given, given birth to the male child. The woman was given the two wings of a great eagle, so that she might fly to the place prepared for her in the wilderness where she would be taken care of for a time, times and a half a time, out of the serpent's reach. 
Then from his mouth the serpent spewed water like a river to overtake the woman and sweep her away with the torrent. But the earth helped helped the woman by opening its mouth and swallowing the river that the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. Then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring, those who keep those who keep God's commands and hold fast their testimony about Jesus. So, a lot there, but really what I focused on, they triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. This isn't about me being angry and going out and doing mean tweets. You can't fight Satan and ultimately then society like that. It takes prayer and it takes focused a focus on there of who really is fighting the fight, and that's God. And he has a plan. Whether we understand all the images and the timings, that's secondary. The reality is, is for me to understand that he's in control, he has a plan, and he wins. So Spurgeon basically uh, preached in 1875 to his congregation and he talked about the the three things that he wanted to focus on and he writes about the first one first of all the blessed ones who are rejoicing in heaven were once warriors and victors here below it is a very simple truth to mention but we need to be reminded of it once they were mourning liege once they their mourning liege below and wet their couch with tears they wrestled hard as we do now with sins and doubts and fears we too often think of the saints that have gone before us as if they were men of another race from ourselves capable of nobler things endowed with graces which we cannot reach and adorned with holiness impossible to us but in our readings we've seen that the warriors and the the warriors of faith were nothing any different than us. They were all fallible humans. Peter was a hothead. He ran off his, and he ran his mouth and he pulled his sword. He was all over the place and reckless. Abraham offered his wife as his, supposedly as a sister whenever he got his, his back up against it. They weren't great, perfect people, these warriors from the past but they were all warriors and they all fought for God he writes then now secondly the victors all fought with the same weapons they had two weapons and these were one the blood and the word they overcame him through the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony first the blood of the lamb it was theirs it was theirs The blood of the lamb will not help us until it becomes our own. So we must accept it and we must truly understand it. But he talks then further, but the gist of the text lies in the fact that they fought with a dragon by means of the blood of the lamb and overcame it. So we can only overcome what's happening in our society. We can only overcome Satan with Jesus's blood. Nothing else, not my wisdom, not my pithy comments, not my well-thought-out logical arguments. None of that works. 
All that works is the blood of the lamb. And lastly, he says, I must close with this last remark, that while they all fought with the same weapons, they all fought with the same spirit. For the text says, they loved not their lives unto the death. My brethren, what does this mean? The expression indicates dauntless courage. They were never afraid of the doctrine of a bleeding Savior, nor ashamed to cry, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Let us never be ashamed of our hope. So, again, looking at this verse, they triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. So, they fought with the blood. That was their weapon and their testimony. The knowing that that God was there with them. That they overcame the world with that. And then with the eagerness and the, and the concept of, I don't love my life here so much because I love my life in heaven. I love my God. I'm not concerned about anyone's opinion. They were steadfast. They were committed. And I just pray that I would be that same type of Christian. So with that, let's go to God in prayer. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your saints to enlighten us and help us understand a little bit more of what you mean. I praise you for the Holy Spirit giving them wisdom and opening our hearts and our minds to comments and thoughts and your words from a hundred years ago. And Father, I just thank you that your Spirit guides us and walks with us. I pray for the ability to fight on your behalf, which you don't need because you've already won, but that I know how to overcome this world through your blood because you already overcame it. It's trusting in you even unto death. So Father, I pray for this day. I pray for this time. I pray for our families and our nation. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining me at Just a Guy and His Journey Back to God. I hope you have a great day.